21. Listen again to what James said in the long ago. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow or abundance of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word which is able to save your souls. So number one, to understand that there is an obligation resting upon each of us. And that is, if we have things in our life that do not harmonize with the will of God, we have to be willing to forsake them. We would use the word repentance. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he was on Mars Hill, Acts chapter 17? He declared to those people the one true living God. In verse 30, he said, The times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands that all men everywhere repent. And so there is this need to repent, to turn from that old way of life. And then as a result of that, there is salvation. Now James said that we are to receive with meekness. The word meekness means strength under control. We're to receive with meekness that implanted or engrafted word. Now note what he says. Which is able to save your souls. As hard as it may be for us to understand, there is no way that we can separate what the Lord Jesus Christ said in His ministry from the Scriptures. They go hand in hand. And what James is saying is, it is the inspired Word of the living God that will ultimately lead us to salvation. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So number one, there is the reception of the Word. Number two, there is emphasis on remembering the Word. Now there are two very key thoughts here. Number one, look if you would at what James says in the long ago. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in what he does. So there are two very important thoughts here. Number one, if we're not careful, we could be a careless hearer when it comes to the Word. So on the one hand, you have those who carelessly look into the mirror of God's Word. 
And then there are those who very carefully, painstakingly look into the mirror of God's Word. When you get up in the morning and you step in front of that mirror, do you pay very careful attention to what you see or are you just very careless? You look in the mirror and you say, ah, who cares? Not really worried about what I look like today. It might be that as a lady, you step in front of the mirror and you don't pay a lot of attention to what you look like. But most ladies that I know, when they step in front of that mirror, they're giving a lot of very careful attention to how they look. When you apply makeup, are you careful? Or are you careless? I know the answer to that. Because I've seen women get in front of that mirror and they're just very, very careful at how they apply their makeup or eyeshadow or whatever. When I shave in the morning, one of the things that I've realized is my eyesight's not as good as it used to be. So sometimes I have to get up very close in the mirror. Now I'll take my hand and rub it over my face because I can tell whether or not I've missed something by feel. But I want to get up as close as I can to that mirror to make sure I haven't missed something. Try to be very careful, don't you? What James is saying is there are some who step in front of the mirror of God's Word. And rather than giving very careful attention to what he or she sees in the mirror, they simply walk away in a very careless, cavalier attitude. Now, there is a third thought I want to share with you. It has to do with the rewards of the Word. Now look again at what James says. Note verse 25. James is picturing that very careful student of the Word of God. He or she is stepping in front of the mirror to the soul. And James said, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, he shall be blessed in his work. Back in Psalm 19, the psalmist makes the case for the Almighty Creator. The fact of the matter is, what he says is, creation lends evidence to a designer, to one who designed this universe. But then he spends some time and talks about the revelation of our Creator. And he talks about the importance of the Word of God and the testimony of Almighty God. And he said, by those testimony, your servant, listen to him, is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Let me tell you how that plays out. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. 
Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. All right, so we have examined the text. First, the examination. Secondly, the application. Do you remember in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, Paul said, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. What Paul is saying is, when I open this book, it becomes a window into my soul. It reflects how I'm living. So I want to ask you a question. When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, number one, what do you see when you look into your eyes? You know, the eyes really in many respects are that window into the soul. I can tell a lot about a person by looking into their eyes. Can you? I can tell a lot about where they are in life. Can't you? So when you look into your eyes, what do you see? When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word and you very carefully look into your eyes, what do you see? Do you see a person of strength? Do you see a person of spiritual strength and fortitude? Didn't Paul say, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might? And didn't Paul write that we are to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the methods of the devil? How strong are you spiritually? There are a lot of folks in our world, they spend a lot of time in the gym. And you can tell it. You just see it, don't you? When they step in front of the mirror, they're very muscular. What about spiritually? How strong are you? When you look in your eyes, do you see steadfastness? Do you see somebody that is persevering day in, day out? Somebody who is facing the highs and the lows of life with grace. Somebody who is striving to overcome. Is that what you see? Was it not Paul who said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Let me ask you another question. When you step in front of the mirror and you look in your eyes, when you look into your eyes, do you see satisfaction? How content are you in life? How satisfied? Are you where you thought you would be at this juncture in your life? How's life playing out for you? Happiness is dictated by circumstances, happenstance. Contentment is a result of godly living. Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. But having food and clothing with these, Paul said, we shall be content. 
So I want to know, how satisfied are you in this life? When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, there are only three possibilities. Number one, you see a saint, a child of God. Number two, you see somebody who is a sinner. Number three, you see somebody who is a saint who has gone back into the world. So what do you see? You satisfied? You pleased with where you are in life? You know, Solomon wrote many years ago, a merry heart does good like Madison. How merry, how joyous are you in life? Do you have that deep-seated joy and contentment in Christ? Are you satisfied with where you are? When you look into your eyes, what do you see? Do you see strain? I've seen people that when I look into their eyes, I can just tell they're under enormous burdens. They're hurting. And what they're saying in a nonverbal way is, help me. I'm hurting. A lot of people in our world hurting today, are they not? The psalmist said many years ago, the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted. In Psalm 34, verse 19, he said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Sometimes I see stress and strain in the face of someone, in their eyes. Sometimes, I'm going to be very honest, sometimes what do we see? We see sorrow and sadness, don't we? I mean, don't we see people that are hurting, the very core of their existence has been shaken? They're hurting. Well, you can tell a lot about a person when you look into their eyes, can't you? When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, what do you see when you look at your ears? What do you see when you look at your ears in the mirror? Our ears represent hearing. So, what about you? Are you open to the Word of God? Are you receptive to divine teaching? One of the problems that people have sometimes is their lifestyle is a contradiction of Scripture. In order to try to harmonize their life with Scripture, they've got to make choices. Jesus talked about those who have an honest and good heart in Luke 8, 15. For someone to be blessed in this life, they've got to have an honest heart. If you have an honest heart, you'll have a good heart. And so we've got to be open to the Word of God. Remember what Samuel said in the long ago, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Is that you? You're listening to what God has to say? Got to have an open heart. We've got to be open to the Word of God, and we have to be obedient to the Word of God. Obedience is not a bad term. There are a lot of folks that have this idea that obedience is a negative term. Why is it God wants us to obey Him? Because He'll bless us. 
because there are blessings associated with honoring the will of God. Again, go back and look at Revelation chapter 22 when John closes out his book of inspiration, lays aside that pen. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, what do you see when it comes to your lips? Talk about your tongue. How would you describe your tongue? Solomon said death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, on the one hand, we could demonstrate a controlled tongue. James talks about those who think they are religious. But he said they fail to bridle their tongue. This man's religion is vain, useless, empty. Was it not James who said in the long ago, the tongue is a fire? And yet it boasts great things. Is your tongue under control? You might ask, well, why is it so important for my tongue to be under divine control? Listen to what James said, James 2, verse 12. So speak, so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. That's what James describes in chapter 1, verse 25 as the perfect law of liberty. That's God's Word. Jesus said, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Is your tongue under control? Do you have a consistent tongue? This morning we had the opportunity to sing praise to God. I have no doubt that there are people that will sing praise to God today. But tomorrow when they get back in the world, they're going to use their tongue in a manner and way that is not Christ-like. They're not consistent. James talks about those who, on the one hand, bless God the Father. On the other hand, they curse man who is made in the similitude of God. And he said, my brethren, these things ought not to be. A Christian, a child of God, has his or her tongue under control and it is consistent. Now, James said the tongue's a little member that boasts great things. Behold, great, how, behold how great a fire a little fire kindles. All it takes is a few words to do a lot of damage in this life. So what do you see when you step in front of that mirror? Do you see a consistent tongue? A controlled tongue? Or would it be possible that your tongue is corrupt? You cuss? Use bad language? Here's what Paul said. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Is that you? And then finally, as you step in front of that mirror, what do you see when you look at your hands? What do you see? Do you see hands that are willing to labor 
for the cause of Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, Solomon said not long ago, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. When you prepare food, or when you do things for other people that are physical in nature, you're using what? Your hands, aren't you? Aren't you using your hands? It's called a labor of love. It's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 6 at verse 10. And then what about your hands? Did you know that with your hands you can lift up people in society, people in the church? Go back if you have time this week and read Exodus chapter 17. The Amalekites were at war with the children of Israel in Rephidim. And the Bible tells us that Moses and Aaron and Hur were present. As long as Moses' hands were held high in the air, guess what? They were on the winning side. When his hands became weary and tired and he dropped them, what happens? The Amalekites began to overtake them. And the picture is... Aaron's on one side, hers on the other side, and they're holding up the hands of Moses. You know anybody that's hurting? I mean, they're hurting. Discouraged, despondent. Know anybody that's falling under the stress and strains of life? And as a child of God, you're there to try to help them up, lift them up. You're there to try to lighten that load as best you can. Solomon said, a word spoken in due season, a word fitly spoken, is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Sometimes the right word at the right time can do a lot of good. And sometimes when people feel like they're about to break and you're standing beside them and you're trying to help shoulder that, as Paul would say, Galatians 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. You're helping them. Let me tell you another thing very quickly about our hands. Our hands can show how much we love somebody, can't they? In the Song of Solomon, in chapter 2, at verse 6, you have a picture of the Shulamite woman. And she talks about her man, whose left hand is under her head. Her right hand embrace, his right hand embraces her. When your children are hurting and crying and they come to you and you wrap your arms around them and you take your hand and your fingers and you begin to wipe away the tears, why do you do that? Because you love them, don't you? Isn't that true? We can say a lot with our hands. So here's the question. When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, what do you see? Do you see good? Do you see bad? 
you see ugly? I can't answer that for you, but you can. If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, I'm telling you right now, when you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, the exhortation is to demonstrate an obedient faith. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 at verse 2, Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next month, next year, but today. Do you need to obey the gospel today? Do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that He's the Son of God? Would you be willing to repent of your sins, as Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, to the Athenians? Would you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart? Jesus is the Son of God. Would you be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away? Acts 22, 16. Then as a faithful child of God, you serve the Lord day in, day out, come what may. Are you here this morning? And you've stepped in front of that mirror. And you don't like what you see. I can tell you right now, you can change that. But only you can change it. Your mother can't do it. Your father can't. Your siblings can't. Only you can change what you don't like. You know, James said in the long ago, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We would be more than honored to pray with you and for you so that the reflection that you see in that mirror, not just more pleasing to you, but more importantly, it is pleasing to God. One day you'll stand before Him. Did you know that? What we want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Won't you come as we stand and sing?